1: Welcome to another episode of the Get More Success Show, and I'm absolutely delighted to have with me today a very special friend, performer, legend, and presenting guru, Zerafina Zara. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Warwick. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolute pleasure. Now, Zerafina, you are a woman of many, many talents, and uh, so, so what that means is the answer to the next question is going to be multifaceted, and I'm really excited about hearing about your answer so as I ask many of my guests, how do you define success?
0: I, it's really great that you that you asked that, and it was wonderful to get your email and think, wow, how do I define success? And it made me think about different times in my life and how I've defined success at different times in my life. Um, so I kind of have a lot. To, I, I thought I could speak for three hours on this <laughs> subject, <laughs> and I was showing you just before too, but... Um, I even did a little mind map as too. <laughs> it must, it must be the teacher in me, um, kind of thinking about the, the success in different areas and um, and what it means, not just professionally but personally, and and also it actually means something different creatively as well.
1: Yeah. So how do you define it? How do you define this success? And feel free to break it down because. For those of you, many of you won't know Zerafina. Zerafina has, she's an international musician, um, having toured Asia and some other places. She teaches others music and theory. She is a uh, performance and communications coach from Forte Presence uh, and uh, has run choirs and, and musical groups. So there's there's a whole range of areas as as well as other elements of your life. So break it down for us. How do you personally define success?
0: I think, um, well, it's really hard to, really hard to say in a, in a sentence but I think it's that I've, I can break it all down to if when I'm 80 do I look back and say I gave everything I got from what was important to me, that I wasn't living another script that I'd heard uh, and especially it's been a really big theme for me this year to, um, to not live by default but to live on purpose, um, because there's lots of things we do just out of habit. Every single day, we we kind of we need to because it frees up our ability to think and to even to be creative, to be in some kind of routine. But is the routine, is it something you're drifting into, or is it something you're really choosing and challenging yourself on?
1: So tell me a bit about your purpose. If you're living life on purpose, what is your purpose? Or And knowing that a person's purpose can shift and change, but for now, how do you see your purpose?
0: I see my purpose as, I can actually distill that into one word, and, and I would say that's connection. So whether that's in my music, and one of the big reasons I make music is to make people feel connected to each other. But also the huge purpose music has had for me in times when I felt very alone in the experience is that somebody else understands my experience. So if I can write a song that makes someone think, I feel this, I know this, and it helps them to express it, it's about connecting them to that. And also in terms of even when you're talking about working for a big company like Nike, uh getting them to communicate more confidently is kind of getting them to connect more authentically with themselves but also to connect with each other and have better conversations and have a better, a better quality of life. So it is a bit of a kind of a pioneering. I'm really into people having a better quality of life and meeting their potential because people don't realise their potential for connecting with other people and for getting more out of their, their life by, by doing
1: so. So tell me a little bit about some of your musical history. Like you, you've you done the Dino, you've toured Asia, like Vietnam, Singapore, like. and that's not something, like a lot of musos dream about doing that. And, and let's be honest, I'm not familiar. Maybe you've had like a number one top of the charts hit, but I'm not aware of that. But just touring Asia itself, like that must have been a huge success for you and, and very enjoyable. Tell us a bit about that.
0: Well, I think... And if you're thinking about success, I think that was just enormously successful in terms of pushing me out of my comfort zone and um, and also that, that thing about connecting with people from different cultures and having different experiences. Um, it did feel like being in the Wild West. So I was in Southeast Asia and probably one of my favourite gigs of my whole life was in, well, one of them was in Bangkok and another one was in this tiny bar in Laos. Um for me, it's about the experience. That that success is about experiencing something different and going outside of your own comfort zone. Uh, I had a contact who um, who lives in Bangkok and he runs amazing and incredible tours there. Uh, and remember the first time I travelled overseas when I was twenty, and a girlfriend of mine, I think in a card said, "Suck the marrow out of the experience. I want you to get everything you can." And I think that's a wonderful metaphor and way of looking at, you know, what um what can I what can I do here? So in Laos we were <laughs> we were up to a party till three o'clock in the morning I think and we're up again at six o'clock in the morning. Um and I'll, I was having someone so Laos has a um you know French colonial history and I was having somebody help me with my French in a song. Um uh, I forget the name of. On est bien, peu mon ami la rose. Yeah, mon ami la rose. Um, I was having someone help me with my French singing, mon ami la rose. That was probably earlier in or later in the night. Um, and then we went rock climbing in um, Vientiane. Uh, and there were these incredible views, and it was really scary and exciting. And um, yeah, I think. Even, even though you look at success, so one of my biggest successes was probably um, in terms of external success was being played on Triple J, hearing my song played for the first time on Triple J. Uh, I could have been hit by a tram and died happy. I was just <laughs> so excited. I was in my studio on Brunswick Street and I heard them say, oh, this is an artist from Melbourne and she's um, well, she's a singing teacher. And I thought, do you know, it sounds a bit like me. And then they played it and I was just, oh. Fantastic. Um, So that's that external success, which is really fantastic. But when I was reflecting on the question of what do you see as success, I think having the opportunities and knowing that you've created opportunities for yourself that are above and beyond what you could have imagined. So for me, some of the the biggest successes in my life were not the external but a moment from having taken a particular journey. So I can think of some of the most amazing moments of my life. One of them was actually being in a dance class. Um, I, I came to dance quite late for a dancer. I came to it, I think I was all of 21. Uh, and um, that's really old. Um, and actually one of the biggest moments of success for me wasn't being in a show, although I was in some shows which I'm really proud of. And I um, choreographed for the Fringe Festival and did spoken word and that was so exciting. But it was actually just being in class and feeling everyone moving at the same time and that we were all doing the same thing. It was this incredible music with um, and I was being the music and having been a musician before a dancer, I was so excited that I could get to be 6'8 and there was this wonderful feeling of motion and kind of like expanded consciousness that we were all doing the same movement at the same time. And that's not a show, that's not how successful was I as a dancer because, you know, I wasn't the best dancer and I wasn't the worst dancer. Um, and I auditioned for um, CalArts in the US and was um, I auditioned for someone who'd been in Martha Graham's Dance Company. So as a musician, that's like saying I auditioned for someone who'd been in Prince's band or Stevie Wonder's right. band. It's just out of control, amazing. Um, and it, And with recording with members of Paul Kelly's band for my album was actually the moments in the studio that were just so incredibly fulfilling and uh, really pushing me to the edge of my creativity. and, um, And part of the reason I recorded the album was because and That I wrote the songs for was it because it was because it scared me? So I could have just been a singer, just um, singing songs. I, you know, I love to sing, and I could have made my career just doing that. But if I hadn't written the songs, that would have been a fear based career, it wouldn't have been a career based on um, what my heart's song was or what my, my choices were.
1: Yeah, um, that's really interesting because, as a creative performer, as you are in many elements of your life, the performance is very short in comparison to all the, the massive preparation, the writing of the songs, the getting it right, the re- like the stuffing up the rehearsals, the laughing about it, the starting again, the doing it and then deciding, no, no, we want to do it faster or we want to do it slower and then speed up. And, and so the fact that there is so much joy and success in that previous bit, um, it really makes, well, it makes the performance really good, but n- no one sees all of the effort that goes into it. No,
0: and nobody cares too. Mm, True. What they actually actually see is, uh, and they'll come up to you and they'll say, and so I've done this with performers in working on their stage performance uh, as well as their voices, is that people will come up to them afterwards and say, you're just such a natural. You really have that X factor. You have that it factor and what we know is that that's all the work that's gone around that and if you can't find the joy and the meditation and the excitement in the growth of that creative process then if you're only looking for those external validation of success so um with triple j that i've got played on triple j i've heard since that they won't play a woman after over 30 Mm. Uh, which kind of cuts me out before I've even started playing. Well, I've heard that Richard Kingsmill said that, so I don't know how um, current that is. Although I heard it very recently, um, <laughs> and it sort of it cuts me out of an opportunity before I've even before I've even put my hat in the ring. Yeah. So if I can't find success in other areas or other places or in the process, it's not enough to sustain me as an yeah. artist to keep involved.
1: And I've seen you perform, um, you've got a current residency at Smokehouse 101 and I've seen you perform there and that's a very, um, shall we say, laid back performance, but yeah. there is a massive amount of fun that comes from you and the other guys you play with. And one of the guys do you play with, he, he plays. You he played with um, Johnny Farnham, is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And he played support for the one of the biggest gigs that definitely Melbourne, I don't know if in Australia, but ever had of the support for the Seekers in the 60s. So he's, he's amazing and that's that's helped reconnect me to the joy of performing too because uh, for a long time I wasn't, I was really disappointed about the external success of my album because I didn't know and I didn't know that's what it was then but I hadn't known how to market it or promote it and uh, it made me think that the quality of the, I thought the quality of the work should speak for itself yeah. and there's something that... Um, You've said, I think I've heard you say, I don't know, maybe a thousand times, and it's only this year that you said it, and I went, okay, I get that. It's actually true. Is You've got to be a better marketer of what you do than a doer of what you do. Yeah. And that if you're not successful in the public eye, it's actually to do with marketing rather than the quality of what you have to I, offer. I
1: think there's uh, hundreds of musos with a garage full of CDs that they expectantly went, oh, this is good, let's get 10,000 printed. It's cheaper. Yeah. And you just can't flog them off?
0: No, no. Um, I was talking to uh, Beth Nielsen Chapman, who um, she was one of the co-writers of This Kiss. This kiss, this kiss. Yes. And uh, she, I told her about how I felt and I felt quite blocked from writing after not having the kind of success because my first single got picked up by Triple J, which is fantastic, and At that time, I think that early success gave me overconfidence and I thought that the rest of it would get played, of course, um, but it didn't. They didn't play any of it. And uh, Beth Nielsen Chapman said, don't plant your seeds too close to the highway. You know, I I think there's a real... Uh, being clear about the success in the eyes of the external world and your own sense of yeah. success of, of what you're doing, and that's that's also for the corporate work that I do or the work in education, um, and trying to create. For me, it's about trying to create tiny moments of connection. So, um, can I make the cashier's day a little bit, a little bit? I don't know, can I make her feel like I've said hello and I've acknowledged her and can I say something that will make her reflect on, you know, yesterday I was there and and I said it's much cooler in here than it is outside. It was actually much nicer inside the supermarket. Some days I think I'd like to take a trip to the supermarket just to cool down. Um,
1: (laughs) Do that slow walk up the freezer aisle.
0: Yeah, in the fridge section. Um, And... And I consider that a huge success of what moments of resonance can you create through your day and how can you connect better with with other people? And they're tiny. You're not going to have somebody say that. I don't think you're going to have someone say that at your funeral,
1: really. I don't know. Maybe they will. (laughs) So let's talk a bit about the corporate work you do. Like you've worked with politicians, organizations like Nike around improving their communications and also their presentation skills, that kind of stuff. Um, and you are one of the most uh, probably researched individuals that I know of in terms of the level of the research that you do on nonverbal communications, the, the kind of habits and motions and, and ways to connect and present. So what's been the driver for you behind that? Where did you come from, oh, I want to be a muso and a dancer to, and now it's nonverbal communications from corporates. How do, how do they two connect?
0: Well, I think they're they're all the same thing. So that um in set in terms of gesture, I was looking at and I still coach musicians, so I coached for mushroom music and have some interest from Sony as well, uh, in
1: coaching musicians and how they're connecting with audiences. Because that's and the thing with museos, isn't it? It's like they can be really good and I've been to concerts where you're like really good players, but they could have been in a room on their own and no one would I might as well have listened to the C D. Versus there's others like the Freddie Mercury's, the Bruce Springsteen's, the Prince's who, um, or Suzanne Vega, who I saw not that long ago, who was just her and a guitarist. And she was just right talking to the audience and communicating. Like, there is a big difference between a musician and an entertainer.
0: Yeah. Or even someone, and it's tricky because people think of entertainers, I don't know, I think they think of razzle dazzle and about choreography. And it's really about your connection with your Mm. audience. So your, your connection with your material, with your song, and how are you communicating that to your audience? So how are you moving them? And that's the same thing for politicians is how are you moving your audience? What choice of words are you using? How, what are you doing with your face and your body language that's going to make that happen? So the research actually came from looking at why this this gesture was different than, than this gesture. What does it actually mean to us? Uh, and because I'd A, B those things with singers and say, well, this one feels right for what you're doing, and also having a sense of the use of stage space of, of not just gesture but how are, you, how are you moving, what are you doing with your body? Uh, and the more I did it, the more intrigued I became by it. I had a, a goofy 16-year-old girl do... Um, just something very simple, I won't talk you through it because it's, you know, it's inter- it's interesting to me because of my nerdiness about this, but instead of uh, getting her eye gaze, I can tell you this part of it, getting her eye gaze to look from her left to right across the audience, I got her to walk slowly, smile slowly and, and look at the audience from her right to left. And suddenly she looked intriguing mysterious, charismatic. I was really interested in what she had to say next and she hadn't changed anything other than those things. Mm. She was gorgeous too, absolutely gorgeous. And there was no plastic surgery required. And I don't know about you but I've always wanted to be just a little bit more gorgeous. So (laughs) (laughs) I looked at this and thought, wow, how is this working and how can we get more of that? So it was just out of – people forget too as musicians we are – we are deep nerds. We are spending our time in not necessarily, definitely in some ways in a broad, broad skill set but in some ways you have to have a high tolerance for being on your own, being quite introverted and being absolutely obsessed with how do I make this vocal quality of sound? Mm. Is this chord the right chord? Am I rhythmically in the, right, in the right place? How am I communicating with the other musicians live to make it gel? So, yeah, I think some deep nerdiness and then seeing how that worked with corporates and how much more confidence it gave people who were definitely competent and and fairly confident but actually not connecting with their, with their audiences. And I've worked a lot in leadership too, so uh, connecting with their teams in a way that inspires them to be working with these people. That so inspires
1: you, both ways. Can you give us a couple of generic tips? And I know everyone's different, but... For any leaders, managers, or aspiring leaders or managers who are listening and watching, what are some simple things that they can do that will either create that connection or create trust or create respect or create that, enable them to be more successful in their way of communicating?
0: Sure. I I would actually say the number one thing is that we mistakenly, we put our balance of uh, strength and warmth out so we tend to think that people expect us to be competent, especially if we are working at a high level of skill. We're being paid a lot of money, uh, and our role models often, especially in leadership and you know in er- traditional areas, probably like finance. I've experienced this especially, um, where leaders have been dissonant rather than resonant. So they've they've ruled by fear, and also in some sectors. It's kind of like, well, you're getting paid so much money. Why should I be nice to you? Yeah. But one of, the, one of the things that's really important is we're actually looking for people's warmth before we're looking for your competence. So we want to know that we, you're competent. There's no mistake about that. But if you just show me your strength and your competence without showing me your warmth, I don't trust you. And that's the thing that people forget. And I know growing up that I thought warmth was a sign of weakness And it had to do with, you know, probably my schooling and parenting and a a whole bunch of things. But in that world, if you weren't strong and kind of tough, you you were showing weakness. Whereas if you can connect with people and have genuine curiosity for who they are, genuine curiosity for being in the moment and... Finding out what makes them what makes them happy, what makes them tick, and what are some ways that you can help them have fun in the workplace, so, so people really want to come to work or be part of a team or be part of it. So, how do
1: you do that? Is it by asking the right questions, and if so, what sort of questions? Or is it how do you uh, reflect this warmth um, as well as the the competence that you're talking about?
0: I think a really simple simple thing is to ask questions with genuine curiosity. Right. Often we're so, having conversations. So it's conversations. not the whole, I'm the
1: leader, so I should have. How was your weekend? No, don't answer. I just have to ask this question. How's your weekend? Uh, what have you done? Uh, how are you having fun? Good. Now back to work.
0: Exactly. Because we're social creatures. People forget that we, I mean, we think we're very sophisticated and we are enormously sophisticated, but we forget that we are, um, we're group animals. We we rely on each other for survival and we're in this technological age where we're absolutely glued to devices. And I, I just read some, talking about research, I just read some research recently that shows that the more that we're on our devices, um, it actually reduces our, um, our connections and there's a saying of neurons, so our brain cells, that, that fire together, wire together. So that means that the more we do something, the more it, it, that pathway kind of solidifies and create something that we're more likely to do. But the more we're on our devices, the more we actually cut off from human connection and we become less empathetic. And I would say that I've, I've seen that seen that right. quite a lot. So I think one of the things is just putting, and I've heard of people saying managers being on devices during, during meetings, for example, and that's not being present for the other people around you. So one tip would be to um, put your device away yeah. uh, and... And that's enormously important. And be present for the person that you that you're speaking to. Notice are they look Are they looking happy? Are they looking sad? Are they looking tired? Are they looking withdrawn? And also, I love people to be a detective. I try and be a detective for what sparks people's interest. You know, if you talk about the garden, if you talk about the garden to me, I'll kind of oh, you know I'll be thinking about lawn and you know. <laughs> Herbs, you know, I nearly killed a bunch of herbs recently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know that will that will make me spark and, and light up a little bit. Right. But if I mention it to somebody else who has specifically chosen to have a concrete courtyard and plastic plants, that that won't spark that same kind of right. that same kind of interest. So being a detective for what's what's the bright spot of where people are showing engagement and or excitement or happiness or something that, that, that makes them spark up.
1: So how does a leader balance that? Cause on the one hand, they've got the got to get stuff done. On the other hand, it's like, I've got to create a good relationship cause that helps me get stuff done. So uh, what sort of balance is there to get the, I, I actually do care and I want to show them I care and I want them to keep doing stuff. So how do you do that? You look after yourself first. You fit your oxygen mask before
0: others in the plane. So this is the thing that I noticed lead—I noticed quite a lot with leaders is that they are under enormous amount of pressure to achieve. Mm. And they often think they look at the shortest distance between A and B and they'll sacrifice relationships on the, on the way to that yeah. place. But the problem is that might work for a sprint, but it won't work for a marathon. Yeah. And most of us actually or collect you know collections of sprints too, because you erode that relationship. So looking after the relationship, but looking after yourself first as a leader. So I notice leaders who are answering emails at six o'clock in the morning, at midnight on the weekends, and that's a big problem. Uh, I think um, looking after nurturing themselves with self-care, making sure they're resting properly, meditation there's an enormous amount of things that can be and in a simple way i don't mean in a you know sit on a cushion for an hour (laughs) even Uh, i'm i'm thinking a 10 minute app which gets you breathing slowly and connected with others so looking after yourself and making sure that you're not stressed and you're at the end of your tether so that when you have that conversation with somebody um, you can be balanced and see the bigger picture Because stress actually narrows your field of vision, it narrows your creativity, and um, it narrows your ability to see um, disparate connections as well and your ability to connect
1: with human beings. So you're really talking about you've got to keep an eye on the long term as well as that short term and too many people are really focusing short term.
0: Yes, yeah. And one of the big differences I noticed from the creative world is that often because we're not making much money in the creative world, there is a high premium paid on your... Emotional intelligence, your ability to connect with others, your ability to inspire others to be involved in a project, uh, and there's there's actually there's not a lot of room for create uh, for um, negativity. There's because you just won't work with that person, and it, because it kills the creative process, yeah. Yeah. you can't work with people who say no to things all the time.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. just possible. So, mm. having come from this this uh, artistic, creative background, and now going more corporate. What are your thoughts on, you know, a lot of corporate leaders have work and that's about it. What are your thoughts on them having some kind of creative escape that is nothing to do with work? They've got to put their phone and device down and then go and pick up a guitar or do some dancing or drawing or whatever it is that floats their boat. What are your thoughts on, on trying to get both of those working together?
0: I think, um, I don't know. I think, I think the main thing about that is that sometimes as adults we're afraid to suck at things. Mm-hmm. And if we're used to, I think it's very humbling if you can come to something where you're quite new. Some of the things I've tried, and I thought, don't get me wrong, I'm, you know, I've got a healthy dose of egotism. I thought as a dancer I'd start, I was researching it for a novel, which I never wrote But I really got got into um, roller derby. I wanted to set it in a a roller derby context. So I thought, well, I better actually give it a go so that I know what I'm actually writing about. And I really sucked (laughs) quite a lot for quite a long time. And I think it's really important to be humbled by an experience where you're not the expert, where you don't know what you're doing, where you're really relying on the help of other people. I think it's great to do something you can suck at. Yeah. <laughs> if you can, do something you can suck at. And a variety, and again, um, the neuroscience is on this, is if you can keep doing things that are novel, if they're, they're new to you, like learning a language or um you know, any range of things like if, if you learn drawing for the first time or um, photography, then that actually keeps keeps your brain um, generating connections and, and new connections. And, again, I think that's that thing about renewal, especially for leaders, it's mm. vitally important, is that you're then renewed and you have fresh insight to come back to your work. And you also have a broader perspective too. You have that helicopter view rather than being in the, you know, the the miniature of, um, you know, what's happening in the palm of my hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you've had a very interesting career spreading, as we've said, you know, doing some fabulous stuff. And I've got to say, I've seen you dress up some amazing costumes <laughs> and do some very cool performances. I have no shame, yeah. have <laughs> no shame. And I think that's probably very important as, as a leader and as an entertainer is to have no shame. It's just like, you know, that you were saying before, being prepared to suck at stuff, And even if that means sucking at dressing up?
0: Well, I think that... I I actually think that part is vitally important. So one of the things that happens when I go into corporate contexts is at some point, some psych has come in and given everybody a personality test. And everyone has married themselves. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people say, I'm a hard introvert, so I'm not... Therefore not going to be participating in any of these x y and z activities and i think something we learn from performance i think that is an enormous shame and Mm. a lack of expressing your potential in life because as performers we are lots of possible selves and if you're an actor that's a possible self anywhere from a serial killer to a, a nun you know there's there's a whole range of possible selves that we can be. And if we give ourselves the freedom to be flexible and to be open to different experiences and open to different ways of being, I think it actually gives you a, a better sense of self. I could be all of these selves mm. rather than well, my test said I'm a hard introvert or I'm you know, whatever the, the acronym is. Yeah. And so that's what I'm going to be forever and ever I, I'm in. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and talking about forever and ever, you've obviously learned some lessons along the way. Knowing what you know now, what yeah. what what shortcuts or what three things would you tell your younger self to save yourself oh. a lot of the pain of going oh through? So God. for the people who are watching and or listening, what are some of the shortcuts? Never wear spandex on a hot day?
0: <laughs> Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to just suck that up. Yeah. Uh, it, depends, it depends on the gig. Uh Look, if I had a conversation with my younger self, I would give them the African proverb that if you want to go somewhere fast, go on your own. If you want to go somewhere far, travel with others. I think that I thought I could do everything on my own. And I think I thought I had to as well, yeah. Yeah. that it wouldn't be my success if it was shared and I didn't realise that it, it takes it takes a team to make something happen. Uh, I would... Had an earlier conversation about promoting what I what I do because I felt that the quality of my work should speak for itself. So I became very intensely involved in the process and very hard on myself too. So I think um, some self compassion while you're learning makes the journey a lot a lot easier. Um, I don't know. I think enjoying the ride, yeah. enjoying the ride. I think that's. Um, yeah,
1: That comment that's you made about um, not being as hard on yourself, that's very common across both creativities and in the leadership. There's this whole, um, I'm really a fraud and once they find out, I'm going to get sacked. Or the, how did I get this position? I don't really know what I'm doing. I'll just wing it and see what happens. Uh, have you found that with your work across both in, in, in all, all fields? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I think that's part of I mean, it does some great things, and that's part of my compulsion to do this incredibly deep research into nonverbals is I didn't want to be just making stuff up from yeah. my um, my point of point of view. But it comes up again, like I had an interview the other day and I just thought, who what am I even saying? Who am I even who am I to who am I to do this? Mm. But it's funny. And especially as a singer and a dancer, oh, my goodness, the first time I even said that I was a singer was actually among dancers. I was at a dance conference and I was actually dancing and somebody said, are you a dancer? And I said, oh, no, I'm a singer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things I said at our uni dance course was, we're all dancers here. Yeah, I don't know if it really stuck, um, sunk in. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think the... Um, I think mean, it's enormously common to have that imposter syndrome and I think it goes up and down too because yes. I was reading about it recently, Amy Cuddy has a new book out called Presence which is wonderful and um, she did all the power posing stuff about you, the impact of your body on your, um, on your confidence and your ability to um, perform and... And I was reading about it and kind of going, oh, no, I don't experience imposter syndrome. But then something came up and I thought, who am I to be here? Yeah. But at one point when I was dancing, I wasn't singing because they were different ends of the day, seriously. Like singing was up late at night and generally involved some form of drinking at that point in my life. Yeah. You're at venues, you're 20 and it's woo. Um <laughs> And so and dancing's in the morning and I tried once to go to a dance class hungover and you had to swing your torso really quickly all the way to the ground and up again. Let's just say I never went to a dance class hungover ever again after that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, I sang and a girlfriend of mine hadn't heard me sing. She knew me as a dancer and she hadn't heard me sing. And she said, how dare you hide that from the world? (laughs) And I think... With a lot of creative people that I work with, I think it really is about that sense of sharing because a lot of the time it's that thing of I don't want to draw attention to myself and especially that Australian tall poppy thing which I think we internalise quite a lot which is I don't want to say I'm good at something but instead looking at it as I'm sharing something. I've worked really hard on this and I'm sharing it and some people will get it and some people will not.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's next for Zerafina Zara and Forte Presence and your, 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 also your performing? What's next? That's a great question.
0: I'm working on recording. So I'm working on a new EP and that's terrifying because <laughs> I have to write things that suck and be okay with that and try and get them in a form where I'm, I'm proud of them. And I might be doing some coaching in Tassie, coaching performers and singers and I love working with singers and again, some, maybe some record company work with that, and with corporates, I'm really looking at how I can bring more of that music world into how how they're being creative, how they're being present, yep. how and leading. I've got some work with community leaders and politicians coming up, and I want to look at how can they how can they create better conversations that. Uh, genuine and compel people
1: to be part of that political process or part yeah. of that community group process so how can we get more buy-in from people? Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Get More Success show if people want to get in touch with you Zerafina how can they get in touch with you?
0: They can go to my website which is fortepresence.com It's F-O-R-T-E as in forte meaning strong musically and presence P-R-E-S E-N-C-E and um, I've got a mailing list and I'd love people to join up. Join
1: Great, and we'll put those links in the show notes so you can go and check that out and uh, listen to some of zeraphina 's music. In particular, on your EP, I do hope you're having the I'm Going oh. to Kill You song because that is one oh, of my favourites.
0: And that would be under ZerafinaZara.com, either .com or .au. But if you Google Zerafina, there's only me... A Great Dane and a princess somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Serafina with a Z. Otherwise, there's, there's, I think, a cat from the Barbie
1: movie. But, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Serafina, thank you so much for your time. Thank
0: you. Thank you for having me.
1: You've been listening and watching the Get More Success Show. Look forward to having you back next time. I've been Warwick Merry from warwickmerry.com. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and we hope you can get more success.